0: Welcome to the Folding Chair Podcast, powered by the Arkansas Public Policy Panel. Find your niche that you're passionate about and willing to immerse yourself in and get started. Let's go.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Folding Chair Podcast, season three, powered by the Arkansas
0: Public Policy Panel. Hey, I'm your host, Osiris, and it's great to be back uh, with some great guests here, giving out some vital information for everybody. Uh, The folding chair, the name comes from a great uh, leader in our history, Shirley Chisholm. She said, if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. So right now at the table with us, we have the Uyghur Project, and I'm going to let them introduce their themselves and uh you know we'll get started with our pick six all right so who wants to go first ladies
2: i can go first hello everyone my name is haria chodri i am working on end the uyghur genocide this project with my partner who can also go ahead and introduce herself
3: hello everyone my name is abby mcmullen um and I joined the project a little bit after Hadia started it. Um, and yeah, we've just been working on it together.
0: Great. So thank you, Abby and, and Hadia for being here. How we start off every episode is our pick six uh, segment, which is pretty popular uh, amongst the, you know, saying guests. Uh, these are just six random questions. Uh, you know, these are unrehearsed and, you know, what I'm saying, just want to get your responses. Some of them. And uh, get your response to some of these questions, and uh, you know, learn a little bit more about you guys. So, um, the first question I had uh, is:
1: name a song that reminds will remind your friends about your personality. Could
2: you repeat the question? Did you say name a name a what?
1: Name a song, a song, that oh, reminds, a
0: song that reminds your friends about your personality, mm-hmm. something that you, you know, maybe your friends know you play a lot or just mm-hmm. uh, something that maybe describes you.
2: Yeah, I think I would say the song Believer by Imagine Dragons because I think it's a very powerful song and it resonates with me because um, I'm a poet and I really do believe in growing from the pain and that struggles make us stronger. And so I think my friends would see me in that light as well. And that's the song I would resonate with.
1: Cool. What about you, Abby?
2: Um, That's a really hard question.
4: I think, hmm. Sorry, I'm like blanking on all of the songs. Um, <laughs>
1: It could be your favorite song that, you, that you're that you listening to right now.
3: I think I'd have to go with a song called Maniac by Conan Gray. It's not as deep as Hadia. <laughs> yeah. Um, But I just, I play that song all the time. And whenever I do play it, I get really pumped up. So I think that would be the song for me.
1: Cool, cool.
0: All right. So question two on the pick six. Uh, tell me a skill that you're interested in learning?
2: I think a skill I'm interested in learning is archery because I don't know, I um, just think it's really cool. And I watched the show and that's like their prominent form of defense. And I would really love to learn it.
3: Um, the skill I would want to learn is I think it'd be really awesome to be able to play the guitar. Um, I think it's just a really pretty instrument and you can like once you know that you can sing any song to it, so.
0: That's what's up, man. Uh, didn't expect that archery, uh, archery uh, skill right there, but that's what's up. And uh, playing the guitar, man, that's always something cool. Something I like to add to my repertoire as well. All right. So question number three uh name a show that you binge watched like the fastest that you ever like watched any television series or something
2: um i think i would probably say i honestly don't really binge watch shows they're more like random shows that i probably binge watch but a show i would binge watch but i can't because we have to wait so our whole family watches it together is the show arthur it's a Turkish drama that was dubbed in Urdu, and it's basically about um, prior to the beginning of the Ottoman Empire and how all that started. And that's also the connection to the archery. So, as you can tell, I'm very obsessed with this show. But that's probably <laughs> a show I would binge watch if I could. What's the name of it again? It's called Arthur. It's
0: yeah, it's
3: the name of
0: yeah. Got you. What about you, Abby?
3: Um, I think probably Stranger Things, um, I especially the third season. It came out when me and my sister were, well, our whole family was driving home from a family vacation and we watched all of it in the car in one day. So it was really good.
1: Cool. All right. Question number four. Um, what's your favorite restaurant?
2: Um, that's a tough one. Honestly, I, I'm not too like, I don't know, fancy with the name of the restaurant. So I would say maybe like, I think tacos for life was really good. Um, I think it's just something to where everybody has something they like. And yeah, I think that's one I would say.
3: Um, my favorite restaurant is a restaurant called Costa Vida. It's a chain kind of from the west. I used to live in Idaho, so I would go there all the time. And they have like amazing sweet pork and it's just the best restaurant.
1: Cool,
0: Abby, I think you're the first person I ever met that's from Idaho.
3: Really? So that's,
0: what's <laughs> that's what's up. Interesting restaurant though. That's what's up. Hey, all right. So question number five, uh, who's the most interesting person that you know?
2: Mm, that's a tough one um I don't know honestly I hmm, in my personal life I would probably say my mom just because it's interesting to me because I really just look up to her and I uh find it very admirable that she manages all the things that she does and the amount of time that she has like raising four kids and working and managing the house and taking classes and running a YouTube channel. Like she just does a lot of stuff. And so I think she has a really interesting life, um, especially because she has a child like me. So that's what I would say.
1: Cool. Cool. What about you, Abby?
4: Um, The most interesting person that's hard
3: um honestly I'm this sounds bad sounds like I'm copying Hadia but I would probably have to say my mom too just because kind of like what Hadia said how she manages everything but also I feel like she just does a lot of really awesome stuff that I hope I can do someday so
0: that's what's up man I'm really helping y'all out you know what I'm saying uh you know, uh, your moms, your mothers hear this right here, man. They're, they're probably, you know I'm saying, take <laughs> guys out to eat somewhere, take <laughs> shopping, a little bit more money in the pocket, something, you know? All right. So this is our last question on the pick six, man. Y'all have some great answers. Um, last question on the pick six. Do you have a talent? And if
1: so, what is it? Um, I
2: think my talent is just connecting with people because I think as a person who comes from two different backgrounds it's been really hard to kind of find my place in the world kind of define my identity and so I think I can relate to a lot of the struggle that people go through and I just have that sense of empathy to know that not everybody is in the same walk of life and you just have to give people time and space and yeah so I think I've really learned to pick up on just human relationships and realize the importance of communication. And I would say that's my talent.
1: All right.
3: Um, I think a talent I have a little more literal, I guess, um, uh, is I can play the piano. I've been playing it for eight years, so I really enjoy playing the piano.
0: All right, I see. I see why now you want to play the guitar too. You're a musical person. That's what's up. Yeah. And how uh, do you? are great at connecting with people. That's what's up, man. All right, man. <laughs> Congratulations, y'all made it through the pick six. I know some of those questions might have threw you off a little bit, but y'all did great answering them. And so now I want to want to hear from you all, man. How do you and Abby? Uh, why did you start the Uyghur project? And tell us more about that.
2: Okay, so our project and the Uyghur genocide was basically um, created, so it started last year whenever I attended some workshops with Uyghur speakers and I kind of already knew what was happening in China. I knew that there was genocide happening, but I obviously didn't connect with it as much until I heard those personal stories of Uyghurs living in America who had family members back in Xinjiang and they didn't know what state they were in they hadn't met them and you know they knew they were going through some really hard things so after getting inspired from that I realized like how big of an issue it was and how people just don't really talk about it and so I kind of just brainstormed out about my resources and I thought that legislative action would be the best route to take with this and so through this process just because Abby's like my best friend and so I was just talking to her about it and we have a class called uh a class called east and we basically work on service projects in that and so we use that time to work on this um and abby joined and i can let her take it from there
3: um yeah so i joined hadia was kind of just like explaining to me um her ideas for the project and why she wanted to do this um i the only like way that I had heard about it before was from Hadia. So I definitely think that like educating other people is important. Um, and so I just decided to work on it with her because it's something that is definitely a problem and definitely needs to be addressed.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think once we started working on it, like that summer of last year, I really just talked to a lot of people. Like I talked to US IRS because I know, you know, you work with Citizens First Congress and um, on influencing legislators. So I really talked to you about it. I talked to, I tried reaching out to other uh, Uyghur activists and stuff like that. And so I really talked to a lot of people. And I think in the beginning, it was a little bit overwhelming because I was like, well, I just talked to all these people and all these people are interested. Now what do we do with that? And so after that, we started like brainstorming and making our team. And in the beginning, it was kind of hard um, because I was, like, all alone. But then once Abby joined, I think we started, like, picking up. And now we have a, like, main team of five to seven completely youth-led students that work on this uh, weekly, if not daily. And, yeah, we've just been doing a lot of work since then. Cool. So, like.
0: Uh, my question is, you, all, you know, you all are both in high school and uh, I want you to tell the listeners where you go to high school at. But how do you all find time, you know, with, with school, class, family, you know, what I'm saying uh, how do you all make time to be activists and, uh, and make this a youth led project that's successful?
2: Yeah, for sure. I think that's a really important question. I definitely think it gets hard sometimes just because the amount of time that goes into some things, the amount of like detail and we're very detail oriented, like both of us. So we definitely do spend a lot of time on it. Like I said, that class that we have each, um, that allows us to spend like 45 minutes on it in class each day. And then um, after that, like in our personal times, we like just are really passionate about it. So whenever we find time, like in between classes, outside of classes, like I was just at um, an event for theater, but this is like all I was talking about. Like it literally just becomes half your personality and you're just constantly working on it. But we do try to like give each other breaks and remind each other that, you know, um, we have other stuff to work on. But I think it's just finding that balance and prioritizing your time.
3: Yeah, and kind of adding on to that, I think, um if like it's something that we both obviously we really care a lot about and so I think um just knowing that it kind of falls into place like you prioritize um the things that are important to you and so just it kind of just like naturally I'm able to find time to work on it because it's important to me and I want to be able to work on it um and then also I don't know if I don't think Hadia said this, but we both go to Cersey High School to answer that question.
0: Oh, all right, Cersey Sir, High School, and uh, man, I'm just I'm just excited that you all have found time to do this uh, in school and in your leisure time. Um, and so, I think a lot of people may be unfamiliar with uh, the the Uyghur genocide, just in general. So, uh, can you tell me? The uh the mission statement of the group and and how were you able to connect with um uh, other Uyghur genocide activists uh, around the nation around the world and uh, you know saying just just tell people more about like how when you started and you know the uh, the mission and the goals so far.
2: Yeah, for sure. So when we started it, our main goal was to in the end um, basically promote legislative active action on this issue and the whole like first maybe like two months we were working on this we really focused on researching and figuring out what our goal was we had a lot of different ideas but we thought the best one would be to focus on influencing bills that were already in congress and trying to get them passed and bringing awareness to them instead of like coming up with a whole new bill um and so that's obviously a way more long-term goal and so Currently, what we did was we divided our kind of projects into phases. The first one being um, educating the public through social media, art, and events. The second one being to grow that following and public support. And the third one being legislative and cultural action. So I'm just going to go into what the genocide is just a little bit, if anybody watching or listening is unfamiliar. The genocide that's happening in China right now is in a region called Xinjiang. It's a region that used to be East Turkestan, but it was taken over by China and renamed Xinjiang. And historians are calling it the second Holocaust. It fits under the UN definition of genocide. And there's just a wide range of abuses that are happening in the name of the saying that the camps are re-education camps, but there's proof to show that that's not true. They are indeed concentration and internment camps. Um, and there's a lot of testimonies to that. There's reports, there's just a ton of different stuff. and you know, at the end, if we link our website, social media, you can get those proofs. But basically, that's what's happening. And there, the abuses are just a really wide range from like physical torture to sexual abuse to denouncing, making Uyghurs denounce their statement of faith. And Uyghurs are primarily Muslim. And so this is being done because of like political motives and Islamophobia. And they're using basically the same propaganda behind stuff like, Um, language that was used in the war on terror, like basically applying those same concepts that related to Islamophobia to that um, and trying to justify it, which is obviously not okay. And this is not something new, this has been happening for quite a while now. It's just because of the censorship and amount of surveillance China has put on them, these things have been very, um, just not brought to the public eye at all. And so that's why we wanted to work on this and in terms of how we connected with other activists is that some of them, um, like from the workshop, like that's where I started to connect with them. And then you talk to some more and just researching different organizations and then calling them, emailing them, having meetings with them, stuff like that. And also through Instagram, there's a lot of different groups um, that work on these types of things. And so that's how we've been able to connect with them. Um, and Abby, you can talk about like more on the events or like social media and anything I left out in there.
3: Yeah, so I think another big part of how we're trying to connect with people is by holding um, events. We were able to have one in a couple, a couple weeks ago. Um, And so we were able to have a speaker who was weaker herself. um, And then just some other things to help educate people and um, give them more motivation to be concerned about this issue. Um, And then I would just say that social media has been our biggest way to connect with people just because you don't, obviously you don't have to know someone in person um, or have met them in person to be able to connect with them. So we've tried to um, reach out to all of, well not all of them, but reach out to several other Uyghur organizations who are working to raise awareness about them and see how we could collaborate with them.
1: Great, and y'all doing y'all doing a really great job because you know um, the event that I went to
0: was a lot of great information given and uh, you know really engaged people around the issue of Uyghur genocide. But uh, to that to, to that point. Um, I wanted to ask, you know, y'all, y'all are in Searcy, Arkansas. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know if people in Searcy are real familiar with the project. But what are the ways, you know, you mentioned social media? But what other ways have you really uh, engaged people uh, around this particular issue? Because you know, what I'm saying that's one of the things that I, I understand about youth active advocacy. A lot of times, is you have to really engage other youth. You have to have, you know, what I'm saying, some good mentors and you have to have like, you know, uh, the resources able to get your project going. So what are the ways that y'all been able to engage people?
2: Yeah, I think that's definitely a great point. And the point about, you know, involving youth and mentors was really, really important because we've definitely like mentorship from like our teachers, um, different like religious leaders, professors, other activists, like every, all that mentorship um, from people like ours, like that's really what's carried us through this. And I think in terms of engagement with other youth, I think a lot of it also just came from directly involving them with our project. I think a lot of the people we worked with just in school um, are really amazing people are really good in their field. So we would kind of see like, okay, this person's really into like video making. Let's put them on our TikTok team or you know that sort of thing and kind of give them that guidance and explain to them the project. And in that process, we would be engaging them. I also just think. On a personal level, we've reached out to all of our contacts and kind of told them, um, you know, what this project is. And so once they realize that, they'll go to our social media and figure out what's happening. And then also, um, I've been working with another activist group called the Activist Collab. And we have monthly meetings and we're planning on being in a documentary with them about young activists. And so just reaching out to other groups like that has also helped us grow our following. Um, I definitely think it's a harder process because at first, like you'll grow a big following and then you'll kind of come to a stop or you'll lose some followers or it's just not that big all in all. But I think that's just part of the process. And you just really have to work on continually talking to people and trying to get the word out there, which is something we're also working on and focusing on. So, yeah, I just think having those personal conversations um, also really just helps.
1: And yeah, definitely one part about uh, you know what I'm saying advocacy and uh,
0: activism is you know building uh, you know what I'm saying those personal relationships and having a good rapport with people and understanding that you know uh, you know we're we're better when we can work collectively and you know say so everybody doesn't have to carry the load you know and so uh, my next question is you know um, another big thing about. You know, saying just activism is everybody has to know their role. And so um, what are some of the roles that people have on the Uyghur project and what how do y'all get things accomplished? And what have you noticed? uh, What have you noticed that's worked as far as like uh, promoting the mission of the group that you notice other um, groups and organizations are doing against Uyghur genocide
1: that you have implemented into your own strategies?
3: Yeah. So I can kind of, kind of, or sorry, kind of break down, um, the roles in our project. Um, Hadia and I are the leaders. So we kind of just make sure that, um, everyone's on the same page all the time. And then obviously we're in charge of a lot of the outreach to other people and just making sure that everything that needs to get done is getting done. Um, and then we have someone in charge of, making graphics for our Instagram. So a lot of times we'll give her information or an idea and then we'll ask her to put together a graphic um, for that part of our social media. And then we also have a TikTok team of two people um, and it's similar to the Instagram where we'll give them inspiration for a video or sometimes it's a little more specific where we say like, oh, we wanna talk about this specific topic. we give that to them and then they're able to make the TikTok for our um, account. And then we also have, we had someone who was able to create a website for us, well, I guess with us. Um, She created a website with us um, based on the research and all of our information. And then we're gonna be working with her to transfer or to kind of upgrade that website a little bit So she's part of our website team. And then um, Hottie and I kind of do the other things. We also had one of our classmates write an an original play um, kind of to telling like what's going on. The main character is a weaker woman in the play. And so that is another part of our project that we haven't um, we haven't performed the play yet, so it's still kind of in the works, but so we have a whole nother branch of team members who are cast in the play and working on making that play happen.
4: Yeah,
2: and like Abby said, we all, it's a very much a collective effort, um, but definitely I think we, a lot of our focus in make, is making sure that the information is accurate and like working on seeing what's the best way to get that information out there. So we're working on like, in terms of the play, Abby would be like editing the script and I would be directing it or we're constantly like in the chats, making sure everybody has everything or we'll be like, oh, maybe you do this with that graphic or this. So we're just you know advising them and making sure everything is also going according to the mission.
1: That's great, that's great. And I, yeah, I think it's great that you guys are able to
0: spread out uh, the responsibilities with the group, and you know, and get more people involved in the Uyghur Project, which you all, you know, what I'm saying. So it's it's great to understand that everybody has a role, everybody understands their position, because you know, a lot of times when people don't understand what they're doing, a lot, uh, you know, projects and and uh, groups end up failing because you know the responsibilities are aren't evenly managed, and so. Uh, my next question to you all is, you know, uh, within, within any group, there are there are obstacles. And so with, uh, with the Uyghur project and the goal being in uh, Uyghur genocide, uh, what is like some of the what are some of the obstacles that you're facing as a youth led organization and what do you all need? Because a lot of times people uh, lack the resources to like keep the groups going. And and sometimes, you know, we lack resources because we don't reach out and ask or we don't know where to go to get the resources. So what are some of the obstacles you are facing as a youth-led activism group? And what are some of y'all needs?
2: Yeah, I think that's a really important question. Um, I think some of the obstacles that we faced in the past were probably that the, obviously not, all you know students in high school like this have enough time so we had about um in the beginning it was me and Abby and we had two other girls join from a different school and both of them had to like drop up drop out of it like one after the other because they just got really busy and obviously like we can't understand that uh, but obviously you have to reorient your entire team once that happens and then we had another person drop out and we had to replace them and then we had another person drop out so place. I mean this was over a span of some time but like everybody had to different circumstance. Like some people just aren't in a phase of life where they can work on these things. Um and we totally understand that. But that was an obstacle that we had to overcome. And then just kind of letting things go as well. Because I think once we get to a standard we you know want that standard for all the posts we make or all the videos we make. And even if there's, you know, some little mistakes sometimes we have to get over that obstacle and let it go. Um but I think that's definitely you know, something we have to work on. And I think in terms of resources, I think we just need people with a larger following to help us grow our account, because I think that's what's taking us a while, because neither of us are very much like social media oriented people. We're more like, like, I'm more public speaking. And I feel like Abby's more writing, like we're more on those types of things instead of just being on social media. And so I think that's a resource we need, somebody who is more um, equipped with the knowledge on how to grow that larger, larger following and get that influence, because that's the main thing we need in order to influence, you know, what we're trying to do. I would say that. And then I don't think funding is essential. I think we worked it to where if we do need funding for something, like it, it was it would be nice to you know, have it just there as backup so we can have that resource. Um, for example, if we're working on our play, obviously we have those resources from our collaborators or whatever it is, but it's nice to also have that backup so you don't have to rely on anybody else and you can just do whatever you want. And you can also use that funding to like advertise on like Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is. So that goes hand in hand with the following aspect. So in terms of resources, that's okay.
1: Yeah, you, um, you you said a whole lot right there as far as like you know
0: um, you know the obstacles and things that you face a lot of times when you have groups started and you know people fall off and you know so you have to you know I'm so saying be able to adapt uh, pretty quickly and um, to another point yeah social media is important you know a lot of um, a lot of groups, have to have a strong, you know, saying social media presence in order to get, uh, like I said, their goals accomplished because you know they have to inform the people and they have to engage people, and um, you know, uh, even with Citizens First Congress, that was one of the things we were uh, pushing for with the TikTok page was we need to inform more young people about the issues going on in Arkansas and the bills, and we use TikTok as a way to engage people, and uh, you know, what I'm saying now we're ha- we're looking at what other ways we can improve our social media. So that 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 is very important. That is very, very important. Uh, and uh, just more about like the, the Uyghur uh, genocide, what groups do y'all look to as like the the groups that are like making a really big impact on informing people? And a lot of times you don't have to, you know, saying recreate the wheel when it's already been you know what I'm saying put out there and show them what you want to do so you know so you just have to coalition build so what groups do you all look to as like an, a guide to like uh to make sure that y'all are using the platform that y'all have to uh to 100% capacity
4: um
3: i think a lot of the groups that we've been looking towards and kind of um drawing inspiration from have been other weaker Instagram accounts um, that have more followers and are very like polished in their presentation and everything. Um, I think looking for, toward a lot of those groups to see what's effective and what's not um, has been a big um, source of inspiration. And then also just looking at other more well-established um, activist groups like our speaker um, for our event was from the We Are Human Rights Project. And so just researching more into those groups and seeing um, what they're doing and seeing how we can um, encourage what, like, I guess, support what they're doing, but then also um, cover other parts. Like if they're not targeted toward youth, we can try and target our content more toward youth just so that we're spread across all facets of of raising
1: awareness. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. And, uh, you know, with this being a project that's uh, fairly new that
0: you guys just started, uh, to the public out there, to the people that are listening, what are some actions that we can take to help, uh, you know what I'm saying, um, promote your platform to end Uyghur genocide and what are some actions that we need to do to help actually end Uyghur genocide what are the call to actions for for the people in uh, your communities
2: yeah for sure so I think in order to help our platform I think people can follow our account Uyghur Project on Instagram and Uyghur.project on TikTok and just check those things out we also have a YouTube channel um, where you can watch our first event, if that's for the basis of just getting informed. Right now, we, in the beginning, we have um, planned out how we're going to do our action-related posts. We haven't sent too many of those out yet because our followers, we were we were focusing on just educating our followers before we just throw out stuff um, of them to do. So if you are well-informed with the subject and you do want to work on more action-related aspects of this um, you know, situation right now, you can look at projects such as Free Uyghur Now. And what they'll do is they'll send out like different petitions and stuff. And that's stuff we've had in mind and we plan on doing. We just really had to focus on growing the platform, but we're definitely hoping to do that in the very near future as well. But in that meantime, what people can do is follow those platforms such as Free Uyghur Now. And they have like posts on the Olympics and they'll be like, you can go and contact this and this person or you can email here and here. And that's a lot more action related. People could also focus on being more mindful with their products. And there's like a list of companies um, who have been benefiting from this forced labor and making sure that we don't just keep endorsing that and we bring that to light. I think people can also use their own social media platforms just because social media is such a big tool in our day and age to bring attention to this and just make sure people around them are aware and um, help support action for the situation.
3: I also think another thing um, that we've kind of touched on on our Instagram is that currently in Congress, there are several bills um, related to this issue. And so I think contacting um, like your local congressperson and just letting them know that this is something that the people care about and something that we want to like bills that we want to see passed um so that they're aware that it's that there are people who are like who are very concerned about it and who want to see those bills passed
1: glad you touched on that abby because that's something that i definitely um always like to tell
0: people like you know contact your legislators let them know that you know you're um What's important to you, and tell them things that they should be supporting because they actually are, do work for us. We, we, you know, our tax dollars pay their salaries. Uh, we, when they elect, when they're elected to office, they represent us, and they're um, they're put in a position where their voice can be used to make our our society better. And uh, you know, as far as like the Uyghur genocide, you know, this is like uh. Like the big, the largest scale detentions since after World War Two, and uh, the human rights abuses, children being separated and forcibly removed from their families, uh, you know, saying uh, thousands of mosques being destroyed and burned, uh, you know, the physical abuses, you know, saying um, that 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 they experienced because of their religious and religious practice, you know, saying That's something that we cannot overlook, you know, uh, that's. Um, that everybody has a right to, you know what I'm saying, uh, have any faith in religion that they want to. So, you know, um, looking at it long term wise, you know what I'm saying, we have a, a question that I, I always pose to all of our guests when I say unplug, unplug the microwave, unplug your microwave, you know what I'm saying. Uh, that means we're stepping out of the microwave society of thinking that everything that change happens so quick. We think change change happens when you, you know, saying have a march or have an event or send out a tweet or uh, release your latest TikTok video. You think things are supposed to happen immediately. And uh, in reality, it's a long-term plan that has to be put in place uh, to make sure that the work is sustainable and that we continue to uh, fight for our rights. So uh, long-term strategy, thinking-wise, you're both uh, in high school right now. This is uh, a fairly new uh Project, and you know, you, you guys are gonna, um, you know, there are gonna be a lot of changes that happen with you all as far as like career paths and uh, higher learning and more education. And so, to make sure that the Uyghur project continues to move forward, what are some long term goals that you guys have
1: uh, for, you know, saying the mission for the group? Yeah, for
2: sure. Um, I think we touched on this just with when we were talking about our brainstorming for our long-term, but for more detail. So since we're juniors in high school right now, I personally think that we would both still be working on it for sure the whole next year because we would be in this class and we would just continue this. Um, For the rest of the team, I think a lot of them probably would still be on it. Some of them might graduate and they might not. And obviously, we just have to be flexible flexible and go on with it. For me personally, um, I want to pursue a career in activism anyway. So I definitely think this is something I would be continuing very, very long term. And I think the more we go on, our focus would shift from the different phases. So like instead, so the three phases that I mentioned, I think we'd start focusing more on, okay, now we've built that following. How do we take that following and put it to some use? You know what I mean? And so um, I think in that long term, our end goal would be to bring these um, matters to legislatures and just show them like physically with data, like look at our partition or look at our this or that and really have these bills pushed in Congress because we just can't, you know, we can't wait on this any longer. And I think we would also be probably forming stronger connections with other Uyghurs out there or other Uyghur activists out there um so yeah that's how I see it long term I see us you know still working on it as best as we can and just moving on with the different phases of the project throughout time
0: cool uh yeah it sounds like you all have it well thought out and you know I'm very impressed with the work and the progress that the, uh, the Uyghur project has made since I first heard about it and uh you know I, I just encourage, you know, people in the community, the mentors who are listening right now, you know, reach out to these youth-led groups that man, they're they're essential now. We have to make sure that they have uh all their needs met when they're passionate about something. So definitely down the line, development and strategic planning with uh with young younger adult groups and uh youth groups and uh funding is necessary, you know what I'm saying? We have to make sure that you know uh The youth aren't coming out of their own pockets uh, when they're uh, doing these events and uh, have these have these organizations that have a positive platform. So uh, definitely support the Uyghur Project. Uh, And now, you know, um, we're we're to the end of the interview. So what's up on what's next on the horizon for the Uyghur Project, any events and uh, where where can people connect with uh, you all and, uh, you know, stay in contact and and, uh, stay informed?
2: Yeah, so um, our social media, as I mentioned, the Instagram, Uyghur uh, Project, TikTok, project, Instagram, and the Uyghur Genocide. Our actual project name is called "And the Uyghur Genocide. It's just for some platforms. We have to shorten it. And then we also have a website which would be linked in some of those platforms. Um, and so after this, you know, after just this general phase right now is our play as we mentioned so that takes a while to figure out you know all the set and the costumes and the tech and the people and uh directing and editing all of that is what we're going to be focusing on and we're going to make it into where it can be virtually accessible and also wanted to plug in our email project at gmail.com and that's really important because we want to be able to branch out to different communities outside of our own town and do events like we did for ours, but obviously custom make it to how that community would um, want to see it. Like in our personal event, we had a poetry performance, we had um, a Uyghur, uh, Uyghur speaker, and then we had a monologue preview for our play. And so there's a lot of different aspects that we can add to it. And if anybody you know, listening would like to have an event for their school or their just community in general, or religious organization, You can contact us directly at that email Um, or if you just you know want to see how else you can get involved and just things like that you can directly contact us there
1: great information great information um you know
0: um we're definitely going to plug it in our description of the show we're going to plug the email so people can reach out and uh like i said i really enjoyed the last event that you all did and and just watching the the promotion and um and seeing everything that went into putting on that great event. I'm going to ask you one last question, how do you uh don't be mad at me, you can say no. We've never had a spoken word performance on the podcast. Could you share possibly share your poem that you did at the last event?
2: <laughs> sure, this is uh, a very unplanned right now but let me try to pull it up real quick So,
0: no it's all good I I, I understand you know I put you on the spot yeah no I'll do it I
2: have no problem doing it yeah Yeah.
0: and I gotta give it I gotta give one shout out real quick to the righteous poets uh you know I'm saying we we love the righteous poets and the work that uh uh Ron Mack and Stacey McAdoo are doing and uh is one of the righteous poets so uh, you let me know when you're ready, and we'll end it on that note with a poetic performance.
2: Okay, um, how long do I have for this?
0: Uh, as long as you want.
2: Okay, so it's about five minutes. So, just so, so I'll go ahead and start. This poem is called The Present Past. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Words by a wise man, words that are timeless and seamless, but mean a lot more than they seem. You see, if these very words that were presented to us decades ago were applied to the present status quo, then we might have been more aware of the fact that while we are safe in our homes, millions are tortured through their bones. We Muslims, we say sorry for crimes we didn't commit. Each day we lower our heads in shame to the defame of others. Our innocence denounced, our misery flounced, the war on terror led to so many other errors. You see, we Muslims were not given the chance to justify our innocence, not given a break in the oppression, not given a chance to break the chains of the fear of flaws that we didn't foster People worried about refining us before we could even define ourselves. Everywhere in the world, the same struggle shape-shifting, the same Islamophobia given the name of re-education is ensuing egocentrically in the form of a genocide against the Uyghur people in China. Despicable acts against humanity that cannot be described in words take place at this very moment against an innocent group of people simply because of ignorance and hatred. When we read about the Holocaust in our history books, we are disgusted with the thought of Hitler to this very day. But when we see those same inhumane events taking place today, we look away acting like it's just a game. We think the past is behind us and humanity today is not the same, but this is simply not true. The past has revived itself from the repercussions and now looks us in the eyes and asks us some very demanding questions. It asks if we will let it repeat itself. It asks if we will again turn away the refugees that turn to us for hope. It asks if we will again deny that to hope. The world has looked away for years as the torments have trekked, countries offering their voices but not to lift those of the oppressed, countries selling their choices to make the lives of the oppressors echo louder in caves as hollow as many of the human hearts today, through censorship and sensitivity and irrelevance to the state of humanity. But it isn't too late. This is the first step in becoming victorious and leaving a legacy that lingers to bring peace action through awareness luminescence through love prosperity through purpose we must continue to educate ourselves and others because without knowledge we have no aim and without an aim it is impossible to hit the target we must stop turning blind eyes where we can see we must stop hearing and truly start listening to the cries of those under piles of abuse and trauma. We must be the ones that choose to lift the voices of the oppressed. In order to heal, we must truly first feel, be surreal and surpass the appropriation of others, the racism of supremacy, the hatred fueled by hypocrisy. The oppressed may be invisible, but they are surely indivisible. This may seem like the end of the world, but we have the ability to make it the beginning. It doesn't require dollars to hear the hollers, the silent cries of freedom that come from the outside and from the conscious within. The heaviest things on the scale may not be, maybe the lightest things that prevail, but the world cannot close the curtains, shun the sun, be aloof to the proofs any longer. It is time that we will stand up for the cause that brings change through justice and love to lift every voice thereof.
0: Wow, dope, finger snaps. All of that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Showing love, man. That's a great poem, Hadia. Thank you for being here with us today. Abby, you still there with us? Yes.
3: Abby. <laughs> <laughs> Abby. I've been stunned by the beauty of the poem, it's so good. Every time I hear it, it's so good.
0: <laughs> hey, You know what? Maybe I could make a suggestion. You know, uh, you, you play the piano. Next, the next uh, in-person event, Uyghur Project has, I think you should you should both collaborate on something, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Be, that would that would be dope to add music and spoken word together, you know what I'm saying? At, at a show, at an event, you know what I'm saying? So, well, well, that, that's what's up, that's what's up right there. Well, thank you, Abby and Hadia from the Uyghur Project. I'm telling all my listeners right now, uh, go follow them on Instagram at Uyghur underscore project. Uyghur is spelled. U-Y-G-H-U-R underscore project. Yeah, that's a page dedicated to ending Uyghur genocide and, uh, you know, saying through events, education, and legislation. And uh, also check them out on YouTube as well. We appreciate the time here today on the photo chair. Until next time, uh, you know,
1: be safe, peace, and uh, support the youth-led activism groups. Peace.